0: Download the free Anchor app and go to anchor.fm to get started today. What is up, IDP Army? It is your man, Jordan Reigns, and we are back again with another episode of the IDP Army podcast. We're talking mostly IDP, all fantasy football. Uh, if you guys haven't been keeping up, which you should be, obviously, the last three shows we did, four shows we did. were all ranking shows, so go back, check those out. We went over defensive line, linebackers, defensive backs. Uh, tonight, we have a special guest. If you're joining us on the stream, if you listen to the pod, wherever, wherever. We have Scott Connor with us of the Dynasty and Chill podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Charles CharlesChillFFB. What is up, Scott? How are you doing tonight, man?
1: Jordan, good stuff, man. Thanks for having me. Doing good. It's been a long day slash week for me, but I'm glad to be here. Uh, we had actually had this in the works for a while, so yeah, glad to be here. Uh, kind of getting back into the IDP game at this point, uh, kind of starting to look at the um, you know where some of my teams stand going into training camp, and we'll probably get into some theory behind IDP and how my theory's changed over the last couple of years, and it kind of gets into some bigger, uh, bigger scope topics. But yeah, man, good to be here. Uh, happy to be back on a podcast with you. It's been a while.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say my my first or second. I cannot remember show I ever did. Um, I have you were guesting on with us. Um, that was a long time ago, but th- those were good times. And I remember even then some of the things you said and they've been things I've carried with me in my dynasty journey the last couple of years. So I know you're an OG, you're a practitioner. You're not just talking about it, but you're living it. So I'm happy to have you back on. Thanks for coming and joining us tonight.
1: Yeah. Ha- you know what? I say this. Anyone that's listening to me, uh, I would give this all up to be a dynasty player, be a fantasy player. You know what I mean? If you had, if you told me to pick one or the other, you know, I still, uh, I work on my public speaking and, you know, kind of try to refine that craft all the time. But sometimes it's, uh, the game is what brought you here. You know what I mean? I'd give it all up to be able just to play the game and it's not to name names, but there's quite a few people out there in the podcasting and media space. Uh, when you really dive down, uh, they don't really play fantasy football. They just talk about it and give advice. And I'm like, bro, man, how are you sitting here telling me what to do when you're not on the ground floor doing it? Yeah, so that's what you'll get from me. You know, if I say to do it, it's probably because I'm back behind the scenes practicing it myself. So you're gonna get real talk from me. So just throwing that out there.
0: Hey, Amen. I mean, that's you know, that's a winner's mentality. It's it's funny. Everybody flexes, but only one in twelve guys in your average leagues a winner. Um and to do that year over year and consistently, that's what really matters. We all play the game. Everybody can flex a roster or an opinion, but it's about stacking W's and I want guys that are killers. Um that I take my advice from and that's kind of how I play I want I play to win <clears throat> shout out To the P to W crowd uh, we, we see You guys out there play to win everybody so that's What we got Scott on shout out to the Patreons We got 56 of y'all now I super appreciate that you guys are dope The discord's ballin 24 7 365 so If you are not in the Patreon make sure you go Check that out <clears throat> just Did a huge sweep of the ultimate IDP index I just updated everybody's production profiles um, I added all their Impact play points I added pressure points which is all their sack points plus their uh, qu- or quarterback hit points combined together So you can get a quick snapshot of that I added all the guys in each one of their production Profiles or play on ball points so you're going to Be able to see at the end of the season how many points They accumulated through pass deflections uh, And forced fumbles uh, Plays that are actually affecting the ball, the ball Carrier <clears throat> so those, every Single one of those 400 plus production fi- Profiles that's all I did this last week I was getting up At five every morning and just hustling on that So if you're in the index you already know What it is if you're not in the index you're going to get Beat by somebody who's in the index So go get the index. So um, we had some news break today or recently. This is not going to be your Julio Jones stuff, but Daniel Hunter does look like he's going to be back in action this year for the Minnesota Vikings. That's huge for their defense. That's huge for IDP managers. This time a year ago, he was, you know, consensus top two defensive end. It was him or Miles Garrett. Um, At this point, he has slipped a little bit. Joey Bosa, Chase Young, you know, they're a little younger, but he's still a very young player, so it's good to have him back on the scene. And he gets Sheldon Richardson back. Uh, He has been playing alongside Miles Garrett, who's been successful with him. Uh, The Browns, he's going back to the Vikings, so that could be good for – that could be really good for – daniel hunter getting the band back together so be interesting to see how that all works out i'm a little bearish on daniel hunter in general compared to consensus but it's because there's so much talent but at this point the price you pay for daniel hunter i mean you kind of have to just go get him because he is at a discount right now so um you have a lot of daniel hunter on any of your teams
1: only one and unfortunately it's a it wasn't the best story that got there basically i traded uh Nick Bosa plus for Daniil Hunter last year after Bosa got hurt going, you know what? I'm, and it's a common tactic that I play in dynasty, especially at fungible positions, which defensive end really isn't necessarily that, but you know, like a wide receiver, for instance, if a receiver gets hurt, I'm fine pivoting off of receiver for a a, a healthy one in the same tier, just because they're so replaceable. But I made a deal last year and, uh, you know, it was a 12 team, pretty deeply 75 roster spots. And, uh, 29 starters so pretty deep but I gave up a second which you know second rounders in those leagues are usually pretty good players just because it's only 12 teams so you're you know I got Elijah Moore at like the 212 this year so I mean you're getting good players at the you know second round but I gave up Nick Bosa in a second for Daniil Hunter last year going oh he's gonna come back you know I'm gonna get something from him I'm obviously not getting anything from Bosa and then boom got nothing yeah basically and I probably would Probably take Bosa right now straight up. So it's like –
0: You lost a little there, yeah. I lost a deal,
1: but, you know, it ended up being a second-round pick. I did win the league anyway, so I got to at least say it was worth the gamble. But, yeah, that's my only share, and uh, so it kind of comes with a pain point with the story behind getting it.
0: Yeah, I like what you said about, you know, a fungible position. Um, You know, I'm kind of a – I don't want to – I mean, you have to brand stuff, so I call it zero DL. But, I mean, to me, defensive line, if you're not getting one of the top – Two or three guys, it really is something you can manufacture from week to week. It is very tight end esque, where it's just you either get the sack or you don't. Um, some guys have a little bit more of a variety of skill sets. Some guys are on crappy teams like, uh, like Sam Hubbard, for instance. So they get a lot more tackles. Their baseline's a little higher. So you can kind of eke out, you know, floor that way but the, the ceiling for a defensive line player, even a mediocre one is similar to that of an elite one. It's just the elite ones are going to hit it more often. So I definitely know what you're saying there with <clears throat> defensive line being a little bit fungible. I know a couple of years ago when I first got into IDP, the big thing was to have a solid defensive end or a defensive lineman. And like, that was like one of the first things that every, everybody said to do that. And I was just like, it just, in my mind, it was, it was said a lot, but it didn't make a lot of sense. So I started, you know, experimenting with drafts last year and i was getting montez sweat and demarcus lawrence last year and like you know the 20th round of mixed leagues you know when aaron donald's going in like the ninth or eighth or seventh and i'm just like i can replay you know i mean i'm getting 80 90 percent of aaron donald you know 10 20 rounds later so i kind of started saying i kind of started reimagining what the defensive end position really is Um, i do still consider tj watt kind of a, a tier of his own especially now that he has the dual designation on sleeper but um other kind of news i saw pop up today jeremy chin and brian burns both uh were red shirted today at mini camp i don't know if that was i mean they said it was no big deal they were just kind of not super participants apparently they were getting some rest so i'm not worried about that yet but something to keep an eye on i did miss some stuff last year during training camp and ended up biting me in the ass week one um looking at you taylor rap <clears throat> and then jerome baker got a big uh, got a big extension with the uh, the dolphins Three years, I think it was like forty something million dollars. Pretty good deal for him, and it kind of another kind of contrarian take I have is that coverage linebackers are uh, an an ivory tower uh, talking point more than an NFL reality as far as value, and that seems to be demonstrated over and over with these guys that aren't great in coverage, quote unquote. You know, getting. Drafted highly and, you know, also getting paid money. You know, people love to dog Jerome Baker. People love the dog Devin White. Didn't grade out good. But at the end of the day, a good linebacker is a good linebacker. Um, and I think that <clears throat> the NFL is rewarding these guys. So Jerome Baker got that extension. He's going up my dynasty rankings a little bit. He's already, I think he was linebacker 24 for us coming into this year. He doesn't really have any competition either. And that was the thing I highlighted. We did a video a couple of weeks back about him or some guys that were kind of sleepers or draft post draft risers. It was just, you know, Jerome Baker year after year with Brian Flores has just come out the top dog at linebacker. They shipped Kiko Alonso off, you know, they're not bringing anybody in in free agency. That's really of consequence. They're not drafting anybody of consequence. And then they give him a big bag of money. So, you know, his, his dynasty stock has been rising and now it's kind of solidified, um, any thoughts on, you know, Jerome Baker or the Dolphins defense in general? is very It's a, it's a curious team to me. I know Xavier Howard was not at camp today. Um, that was also a little newsworthy. Actually, let's just do a whole Dolphins bit right now. Two or three, five interceptions, too, and Xavier Howard wasn't on the field. So what do you think about that? He's just throwing interceptions to backups. Uh, the main guy's not there. <clears throat> Jerome Baker's getting the bag. Let's, let's talk Dolphins for like a minute or two. What are your thoughts on this team?
1: Yeah, man, the Tua stuff is just uh, just to hit that first. I mean, that's like overreaction much. I mean, I, it's funny because we're in a – when I first started playing Dynasty, it it, it it started 2014, 2015. Like that's when I really started playing in real Dynasty leagues, not just keeper leagues or leagues that you, and you play with your friends where they kind of transfer players over year to year, kind of like your old keeper leagues. But, I mean – the, just the echo chamber of news constantly that flows in day to day. And I mean, I'm in 58 leagues and th- probably about eight of them are IDP. So I have a mix, but I mean, just the value shift day to day, it's almost impossible to keep up with. I mean, there's probably people that are saying, I'm, I'm a little worried about Tua now. It's just like one blurb. And a lot of times you have to read and take, take those things within the context. You know what I mean? Like you read deeper and you go, Oh, yeah, that's not really that crazy. I actually heard someone say that, you know, the five interceptions in a day in minicamp, what does that really mean? You know what I mean? You don't know any other context behind it. So I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. Dolphins as a whole, I think that um, definitely in redraft leagues, I have been – that's a defense that I'm interested in as a whole. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Jerome Baker because I have Jerome Baker on four teams, and I've kind of been waiting – for a couple years for him. And then last year, you know, he, he struggled a little bit with was hurt. And I guess this extension kind of came out of nowhere, but I, I smiled when I saw it. I'm like, at least there's a big commitment from the organization uh, to him. And I guess I I'm someone that looks heavily on snap counts and usage. And I guess I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on, is he somebody that I play like a portfolio. So when I know I have four shares of a player in eight leagues, is that the type of move that I should just be trying to shop one or two off of this news, just cash out, pivot to another player that I don't have. I mean, strategy perspective, because I'm not as many in as many IDP leagues as I am regular leagues. Uh, but still I can play it that way. Like I don't really want to have four shares exposure in eight leagues of a linebacker because their linebackers are like receivers. yeah. And a lot of these leagues are like start four to seven linebackers. So it's like, I'm trying to collect, a bunch of them that are within a threshold. So I always have four hammers that I can start every single week, but I'm okay with kind of trading them in and out for different combos and different shares on different leads. So I guess I'm curious, do you think this is a kind of like a peak point just because he's in the news? Cause it's kind of slow. Is it a peak point to sell one or two?
0: <clears throat> um, In theory, I think it could be, but I, I think Jerome Baker is a guy that's still got meat on the bone um you know he's got 70 solos each of the last two years that's good 76 two years ago um he, he rushes the passer a lot so he can get up there in the sacks he got seven this last year which was a good number uh only one and a half the year before but i know flores was using him more in that way this year um the pass deflections are a little low and the tackles for a loss are a little low but like i said that in my eyes he's got meat on the bone still um and, and securing the money um You know, and like I said, there really isn't anybody on his tail. And his third year, last year, he's gotten better every single year. So I wouldn't cash out yet, especially if you're playing four to seven linebackers. He's a guy that you just you're never going to have to take him out of your lineup. And there is value. I mean, I know, again, to me, there's so much value in just like not having to deal with shitty players. Like, you know, just having a guy that's like, okay, like like having Travis Kelsey is a thousand times more convenient than having George Kittle. I don't give a fuck how valuable George Kittle is. At the end of the day, Travis Kelsey doesn't ever stress me out. Never, never has, probably never will. George Kittle, I don't own him anywhere, and it feels great. And I just, I, he, it's stressful just hearing about George Kittle. It hurts, you know. So there's something to be said for just having a guy who you know every single week. You don't have to fuck with him. You don't have to take him in. You don't have to think about benching him. You're like he's in, like he's locked. And I think Jerome Baker, especially on a four to seven linebacker team, I would definitely keep Jerome Baker around. Like you said, the security of getting the contract. This team is going up. They're adding edge rusher help. So that could make it more disruptive, more turnover opportunities, interception opportunities, fumble recovery opportunities. So, and he's like I said, he's trending uh, every year, scoring more points, getting more impact plays. Uh, he had 12 impact plays in 2018, 12 in 2019, and then 19 this last year. 19 is not an elite number, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a good number. And like I said, it's trending up. So I think he could push into that 20 range this year or 25 range this year, you know, if he, if he balls out. So I would not get rid of him.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking like one of my approaches with receiver is very similar to linebackers where it's like evaluating your scoring and evaluating your settings. But I look for, you know, depending on how many teams there are, let's just say, let's just use the example four start four with three flexes. Okay. And it's a, let's call it a 14 team league. I know that's a little bit deep, but I mean, the idea is it doesn't matter how many teams, how many core starters, how many flex flexes. There's a mathematical equation that you're basically saying, okay, this is the number because linebackers are a lot also like wide receivers where, you know, if you can start six or seven good ones, you're going to, you know what I mean? Like they're the easiest position to, I think, predict uh, opportunity from week to week. So, I mean, if I can throw them in there, I'm going to, if I can, but I guess the idea would be, you know, similar to receiver. I like to kind of limit the number of exposures that I have to each one because there are so many that are maybe within the same tier that you could pivot to or pivot off of. So that was my question. It wasn't like, do I want to dump Jerome Baker? It's more of, would you literally pivot to somebody in the same tier that you'd have zero of just for that purpose? And you're saying you actually think his value could still go up or his production could still outproduce what I'm going to actually be trading away, right?
0: Yeah, because I think he's a he's a suppressed asset right now. I don't think he's valued currently, even after this news, appropriately. So I don't think you're still going to be able to get for him probably what you should. Um, I could see, you know, I think you could pivot off of him. And if you know that, like you said, it would limit your exposure if you did have a down year or did get injured. But the guys you're going to be able to get for him are guys that I don't have as much faith in, in that tier, kind of. Probably so would you like
1: that. pivot off of him for a share of like um, Michael Parsons if you wanted one?
0: I would do Micah Parsons, but like, like for instance, like i and I have him in the same tier as like Miles Jack, for instance. I would take Jerome Baker okay. over Miles Jack. I have okay. him in the same tier as Jordan Hicks. Obviously, Jordan Hicks is in a weird situation right now. Um, Jayon Brown; those are kind of the guys in that area where I have Jerome Baker, and I would take Jerome Baker all, over all of them. And Eric Wilson, another guy, just because I don't know the security or you know how good of players these guys are. You know, Miles right. Jack got paid, but. I think this is the last year that Jacksonville has to pay him, and he's done nothing to deserve the money he has. So he's going to get booted somewhere. You know, he's a Leighton Vanderesh Esch type player, where it's like, yeah, he's he's basically worth something because he's on the field. I don't think there's mm-hmm. any. I think it's we don't have any more upside to him. Jerome Baker, he could be he could be a he could be a tier two linebacker next year. Like you know, if he tacked on fifteen to twenty more tackles onto what he's already done, you're going to be able to cash out next year, and you'll be able to get you'll be able to get more. So I think he's a, a guy that's going to keep seeing value increase.
1: So Again. would he be one, would he be somebody that you would pivot to that? Maybe you have a guy that's 29, 30 years old. You're trying to hit the reset button. Would he be somebody that you might pivot to even oh, if yeah. you have to add a little piece to try to gain back a couple of years?
0: He's, he's a guy I would go try to acquire right now like you said because, because I think his value is still suppressed I don't think it's where it should be like I think he could be a, similar to like uh who's that Tremaine edmonds like Tremaine edmonds his value is a little suppressed right now too but I see them similar type of players yep. they could be same, same kind of thing so um, yep Jerome baker got that bag good for him all right I got two more we have still cruising through the news here I've, I wanted to once, say one thing Justin Houston my guy is still out there as a free agent. Um, That's crazy to me. I think he needs to go sign with the Bills or the Steelers. Both those teams could always use a rotational third down pass rusher. And Justin Houston still got some juice in the tank. He did just fine last year for the Colts. Honestly, the Colts would be smart to bring him back. Um, Yeah. So just wanted to give him a little shout out. And then Jamal Adams was not at minicamp today. Apparently he has an excused absence from the whole minicamp uh, because of personal reasons. But he is in that contract situation type of world where – It's coming. I mean, maybe this isn't that maybe this has nothing to do with that, but that story where Jamal Adams wants more money or something's not right. I mean, this is Seattle. We know it's coming. So be prepared. Hold tight. Diamond hands. Do not get rid of Jamal Adams. He is a difference maker for your IDP team. So I wanted to touch on both those guys because they're my guys. So. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into some of these dynasty questions. I have a few players. I just want to get your thoughts, you know, on these guys. Um, And the number one guy is Trey Sermon. Um, You've you've watched Trey. I mean, like you said, you're in 58 dynasty leagues. You've been in all the drafts. You've been doing this. Um, The narrative around Trey Sermon the week and the second week after the NFL draft versus the narrative around Trey Sermon now, you know, is different. Um, The value is the same I mean he's the same player it's the same situation so how did you attack Trey Sermon in your drafts this last month month and a half
1: yeah he was interesting because for months leading up to the draft we could identify that this was going to be a poor running back class and then you know the actual draft happens and you look at you know basically where the running backs came off the board and it kind of kind of validated what you thought about the class already you know what I mean and so you knew the tricky thing was, you probably didn't know before the draft who the players were going to be. You know, RB four, five, six, seven, eight, it probably could have been like one of like eight to 10 players. You really didn't know what order they were going to come off the board. And it just happened to be that, you know, Trey Sermon went on the magical day two and he went to a situation that people love the backfield. So, you know, immediately him and Michael Carter were, you know, the, the chosen ones where basically they jump in, into the draft into a range where it's like, you know, are you taking a round three, round four, running back over a first round receiver? And I saw that happen a lot and it's probably a bad process, but, you know, running back scarcity dictates that in a lot of years. And I was just looking at the ADP on DLF and it's like Trey Sermon, RB 25, Michael Carter, RB 29. They're almost top. They've almost cracked the top 24. And, you know, that's where we're at with those guys. So, I took my shares of I, – I was actually okay reaching on Trey Sermon in leagues where you would get point per carry. I think those are the only leagues where I actually took him, and I actually did take him in those leagues over uh, some of the receivers that were in that second tier. So over Rondale, Elijah Moore, Terrace, Marshall, Rashad, Bateman, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. And I'm okay in a point per carry league just for positional scarcity and the scoring advantage that you get in a point per carry. But other than that, um, he's a sell. I mean – the only reason I would maybe hold on to him if you can't sell him for I mean, I want at least a first rounder in a in a point per non point per carry league, so just a PPR league. Um I I don't know. I, I think he's he's right on the fringe right now where you could sell him and regret it. So I'm keeping those shares that I have in the point per carry format. But other than that, you know, I'm fine pivoting off of him if I can to uh I think we may get to a point from a um, you know, a redraft perspective where the hype gets Cause he's moving up on in high stakes boards. I mean, he's jumped up like two rounds in the last month. And part of that was the Jeff Wilson injury, but also part of it was like, you know, just reports that he's looking better. You know, he's taking reps with the first team and it's like, okay, am I really putting myself in this situation? Can I cash out for, you know, any future first, you know what I mean? Can I get a usable, usable running back plus a 2023 first? Uh, we'll kind of get into the theory on that a little bit later, but yeah, I mean, I, to me, he's a sell or he's a hold, but I hate even the narrative of being a hold. I think players are always a buy or a sell. It just depends on the format, Uh it depends on what your portfolio looks like. So that's my approach. But I, the ones I have, I'm good with holding because I got them in spots where I think it's positional leverage.
0: So, <clears throat> in a rookie startup or in a rookie, not rookie startup and a rookie draft, a super flex, let's just say, where do you think is appropriate value to take Trey Sermon, assuming that your team? You know, like you said, running back, your team always needs a running back. Let's just say you're middle of the pack at running back. You have like Chris Carson, Melvin Gordon, Kareem Hunt, like, I don't know, some pass catchers. Garbage. Like, where are you looking at Trey Sermon as like, this is going to add more value to my team? This year, you know, assuming that are you a, uh, try to play to win every year or how do you how do you approach every season? I'm interested in that as well. But like, where do you think Trey Sermon is worthy of being drafted in super flex rookie drafts?
1: So I'll, I'll zoom out a little bit just to answer your question, because I think it gives a little more context. So I have a, an economics background. And so I have basically joined a ton of leagues and then zoomed out. And I look at all my leagues and this might sound strange, but if you think about some of the concepts behind it, It doesn't mean that I look at uh, every single league like it's just a part of a huge league, but I do really pay attention to roster construction theory and just an overall portfolio approach of all of my teams together. So when you ask the question of like, where would I take him in a league where my running backs are X, Y, and Z, I, I probably wouldn't take him in that league regardless of what my running back room looked like Unless it got to the point where I'm like, okay, this is where he's supposed to go. And he's literally the best valued player on the board. So in theory, probably behind at least the top 10 players in Superflex. That's a smash. You know, he's not going until at least the 111. But then you're having to wrestle with the fact, okay, you know, what is the path for I happen to love Terrace Marshall. Not because I think Terrace Marshall's great, I think he has the physical and analytical and age profile that if he does anything as a rookie the way dynasty community values receivers he's one that would ascend higher than the rest of the class now does that mean he has as good of a chance next year to produce as like Devonte smith probably not but i also kind of look at Devonte smith and i say okay he's a top 30 receiver right now what's his ceiling you know what i mean top 20 like there's always going to be doubters on him so it's like when i click draft on him I'm drafting him for production. So, like, a guy like Devontae Smith is probably similar to what our Jerome Baker discussion was. I'm smashing the Devontae Smiths in leagues where I can start six, seven, eight receivers. You know what I mean? Getting those guys in that threshold has some value to me. If I'm in a shallower league, like, the pick would be a guy like Terrace Marshall because I I may lose out on that pick, but if I hit, i probably hit, like, at a T. Higgins level or higher. You know what I mean? Where I the next year I can flip for a legitimate running back that I like or use that as leverage for other positions. So it's definitely format dependent there. So shallower league, I probably would be more apt to take sermon right in that range. Uh, but I'd have a hard time pulling the trigger over like Bateman or Terrace Marshall. Cause I do think those guys are like our wide receiver three and four, maybe one and two, depending on what you're going for. Uh, but I think they have exponential potential in terms of value. Whereas sermon Man, even if he hits right away and has a couple of good games, like if you tell me he's worth the first and the second, I'm going to cash out. You just, with the volatility of running backs, we'll get into some more running back theory later, but long answer. But yeah, I, I just have a hard time taking him over those four receivers, especially.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, um, I was a early. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more, I'm a little less, uh, high up, but so, you know, I, I got a, a lot of sermon in the second round this year. Cause a lot of people were fading him early. Yeah. I think I drafted him at the end of the first in one league. I kind of went out of my way to attack him because on draft night, when he got drafted or the second night, I expect, you know, I got on Twitter, you know, and I expected there to be, I expected it to be all positive. And I immediately saw a lot of people bristling anti-sermon. And I was like, and I just, I remember very well being like, I'm putting my phone down and just kind of being like, I hope that continues, because if that continues, that means this whole next week, Sermon will be suppressed in value. So I was going out of my way and taking him in the second round constantly. Um, I got a lot of Terrence Marshall as well because I thought he kind of like you said, I felt like he was suppressed because he didn't have the the super duper capital or whatever. He went, you know, what was sixth or seventh wide receiver taken. I don't remember exactly, but it wasn't super duper duper high, so he kind of slipped. You know, I know a lot of people just the draft capital is a big factor. So I only drafted Sermon one spot um, in the first round, and I really needed a running back. It's the only reason I did it, but I got him a lot in the mid to late second, like two eight, two six. A lot of Trey Sermon in two eight, two six. So you telling me that he's worth flipping? You know, I'm I'm thinking about it. You know, in some spots I do. I am a believer though. I really think that in the Kyle Shanahan backfield. Mostert doesn't scare me. And the crazy thing is, I mean, I've had Mostert on Dicey Leagues for a while. Like, yeah, he's been good when he's been good. But that's been what, two games a year, three games a year? Like, let's be pragmatic here. Trey Sermon is not going to be bothered by Raheem Moster, the guy who could barely get a reasonable contract last year. He's had six starts. He's been on the team for five years. Like, let's be real. Um, Jeff Wilson's out of the picture now. Elijah Mitchell I mean that's clickbait. So Trey Sermon's the guy in my mind. Like I'm just that's how I'm projecting it. So to get the guy on a good team with a good coach at a suppressed value, I mean there's I mean there's no more of a wet dream in dynasty in my mind than to get a like guy like that in the second round. Now we thought now I think a lot of people got burned by Zach Moss last year, and I think that's left a sour taste in people's mouths for that type of running back. But if Zach Moss would have been what he was, we, we were sold on. We would be very happy. That doesn't mean Trey Sermon can't be. And again, this is not the Bills, and this is not Zach Moss. This is this is different. So I'm buying. I've been buying. Um, but I might, you know, look into some sale time now too, because his value has creeped up since since I was buying that for. I mean, I went out of my way and I drafted him so many spots, because a lot of people that I respected were saying that. Not to draft him. No shade, guys. I love y'all, but I appreciate that market <laughs> dump. I really did. Um, so Trey Sermon's kind of one of the guys I like, but it, it's interesting there as you say, you know, you have to be fluid. There's no holds, it's always a buy or a sell. So I well, think and
1: it, I'll add this. I think that, and maybe I'm speaking to people that only play in a couple leagues. So if you're in, you know, if someone comes to me and they're in two or three leagues and they're like, dude, I love this Trey Sermon guy, I'm like, there's you can't take him too high. You know what I mean? Like, you're making one or two decisions. Get who you want. But if you zoom out, you know, I look at it and say, I'm big on diversifying. And so I specifically targeted him in certain leagues where I knew the format dictated that that would be the value. I took him at 111 in a point per carry league, at 112. Like, anytime I'm in that spot, and again, I'm in 58 leagues, so I can kind of pick my spots better than others. But like, if I'm going to diversify, I'm going all in when the format actually accentuates the value of the player. Right. I have Whereas, a question for
0: you. And okay. this question is probably the most important question I'll ever ask anybody on the show. Yep. So you're saying all the very specific way to value these players. So let's talk about the way the world's trending superflex, tight end premium in that world. Where is Kyle Pitts? How is he not the number one? I mean, if that's a real thing, and if you zoom out and you're looking, you said the position scares, if he is the next Kelsey, if I could tell you he get Kelsey at 21 years old, you know, or 22 years old, like I have seen a few people say he should be the one-on-one, but it's not like a consensus thing, which to me it feels like if in that format we believe tight ends mean as much as they do, or we say they do, is that he should almost be unquestioned consensus one-on-one. So what are your thoughts on that? Because that's a, I don't know. I have very, I'm very fickle with my tight ends. Um, And so the fact that we can't all, we all agree he's amazing, but we can't all agree that he's like that amazing. Like I'm just, I just, I just, eh, I don't know how I feel. Help me.
1: So I wrote a chapter in the analytics of dynasty this year on tight end premium. And basically if you're just talking about a, a 12 team league with 10 starters, Okay. So, I mean, obviously there's scarcity differences when you start getting into 14-team, 16-team, uh, start two tight ends, 1.75 PPR, two PPR. I mean, there's crazy settings that dictates the scarcity starts to really rule, mm-hmm. you know, whether you would ever consider to flex a tight end. And that's how I looked at it. I looked at it as if I'm just in a 12-team start 10, so basically it's going to have a starting tight end and then a couple flexes, Right. PPR. You actually never want to flex a tight end unless it's a top eight, top seven tight end in that format. That's it. So I look at it and say, it doesn't make any sense to be drafting extra tight ends, but two things. This draft is special because of the fact that we've never seen rookies at the top of a class valued this way immediately coming into the league. Pitts is one. Chase is another. I mean, Chase is basically CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, D.K. That's what he costs. And you can say, well, that's stupid. He shouldn't cost that much. But I can tell you that with Chase's profile, he don't have to do a whole lot as a rookie to be in that mix next year. You know what I mean? If he goes out and has a 1,000 yards and just looks the part, next year he's going to be a 22-year-old and people are like, holy shit, this guy's great. Like He's in the mix with those guys. So it isn't crazy to already value Chase in the top four, five, six receivers. You know, if I'm in a startup draft, am I absolutely taking Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs over Chase? Maybe not. It's not that crazy to say not because I can probably tell you six to 12 months, Chase is worth more if he just hits the baseline. You know what I mean? 200 PPR points, top 24 receiver. If he does that next year, he's checked every box that C.D. Lamb checked last year. He may not hit Jefferson, but... Pitts is the same thing. Like, what does he have to do to not be the tight end one next year? Get hurt? Tear an Achilles? I mean, to me, that's the only thing that stops him from being there. Now, the question is, do you take him over a guy like Travis Kelsey? But I kind of look at it and say, I don't really care. I, I'm taking the ascending value player. So, Pitts, Chase, Fields, and Lance, they're already top 12 quarterbacks in startups, so... The cheapest you're literally going to get them is pick pick 104, 105 in a draft. So that's that's why this class is crazy because you literally had five players. Maybe you throw Najee in there, you know, depending on where he slots in. But like you have Chase, Pitts, Fields, Lance, and Lawrence. And it's like wherever you got them is worth more than where they would go in a startup. You know what I mean? So I, I don't think you can go too high. I was wrong on Pitts at the beginning. You know, back in January, February, I'm like, dude, this is crazy. To value this guy as a top three or four tight end, but now, you know, yeah, what if he smashes as a rookie?
0: Yeah, what if well, he has a
1: thousand that... yards and it's like he's a first round startup pick, maybe yeah. higher? Like, no, that's he, he could break a range that Kelsey never re- never reached. So you got to factor that in too. So I, I I can't tell you he's too expensive. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, he just it feels like it feels like to me we're going to look back and pretty much everybody who drafted him anywhere 101, 102, 103, 104 they're going to get the last laugh. Whoever it was, they're going to get the last laugh. It just kind of has that feel to it. So, good on you. I did end up with one share of Kyle Pitts. I'm very excited about that. And I have a 103 and a Superflex coming up. So, wish me luck cuz that's my target.
1: Oh, you're sitting you're sitting pretty, man. You can't go wrong with the top part. I- honestly,
0: it's him or Lance. Uh, this league, I, I was contrarian two years ago, so my quarterbacks have been Big Ben, and oh, who have I had? It's bad. It's Big Ben, Derek Carr, and then it's just been a hodgepodge. RG three was sitting pretty there for a minute, so I need a quarterback. But if Kyle Pitts is there, I already have Darren Waller and Kelsey too, and it's a start. It's a tight end premium, and you can start. Two, you have to start two tight ends. So I'm just like, man, like I don't know what to do. I can't really make a wrong pick there. So,
1: can it's you a- trade Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller for the 104?
0: I might be able to. I might be able to.
1: I mean, that, that'd be the kind of move where it's like, you know. Yeah. It, it, that It I i will say my, uh, my roster ship of the rookies this year, I've been on a kick this year of I didn't really pass Fields or Lance ever if they were there. Doesn't matter if I had five quarterbacks and no running backs, I would take those guys just because Dude, you're yeah. literally drafting first-round startup value in a rookie draft, which – you know, I actually, so I sold Fields from McCaffrey straight up, and I didn't feel great about it. I'm like in a startup.
0: Yeah, Fields. They could go that. back
1: to back. I mean,
0: yeah, you're right. But yeah, this class is crazy.
1: And I'm just like, dude, you're off. The idea of hoarding quarterbacks being Fields and Lance, I got them both in that league, and it's like the dude literally offered me McCaffrey, and I'm like, that's that's the probably the best straight up offer I'm gonna get. You know what I mean? So it's either make or break, and if I decline it, then so I kind of pivoted there. But, yeah, typically I'm just taking those guys wherever they, I can get them and just kind of worried about it later. So that's tough, man,
0: 103. I know. It's good. It's a beautiful thing, but I have set myself up. But, yeah, i got to look for a trade, so I'll, I'll think about that. All right, well, I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be back answer a couple more questions. I saw some people in the chat. We'll try to answer those quickly, and then we will be done for the night. So stick around, guys. What's good, IDP Army? It's Jordan Reigns, and quickly I want to tell you guys today about the big project I've been working on, the Ultimate IDP Index. The Ultimate IDP Index is the number one resource for IDP fantasy football players, rookies or veterans, for 2021. Inside, you're going to find contract information, tiered IDP rankings, detailed player production profiles going back to 2017, suggested trade values and a whole lot more including unique write-ups unique videos that will only be available within the ultimate idp index but to me probably the most valuable thing is the fact that the trade value estimation tool is going to be updated weekly so you'll always be aware of what a player is worth in your dynasty league at any given moment so, what are you waiting for? Sign up for the IDP Army Patreon today. Patreon.com forward slash the IDP Army. Join the Black Ops tier and join the IDP Army today. We are back in action Again, appreciate everybody who is on the Patreon, guys. That is awesome. Uh, but we're back to the the Dynasty World now. So I wanted to get some. You know, this is some some sleepers from you. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to get sleepers anymore because we have everybody has so much information at their fingertips. But are there any guys in particular that are you know mid to late round Dynasty players that you're finding yourself going out of your way? to put on your team because you see there the the upside and the the trajectory for um, increased value over this next year any guys you know they could be second year guys that sucked last year like rigor or rugs they could be maybe some older players that you know we've seen flash in the past brashad perriman um you know or even guys that might be only good for one year you know marvin jones types or you know maybe ap i don't know i mean he seems to always just kind of get seven, 800 yards anymore, just around. So are there any guys like that, that you're kind of looking at, I guess we could call them sleepers, but I feel like I said, I feel like that term doesn't really work anymore, but.
1: No, I mean, and I think again, it's very much roster construction dependent. I mean, looking at your format and determining, especially with wide receivers, like do. So here's a basic, basic exercise for everybody, just to kind of give an idea when I recommend a wide receiver or when I talk about wide receivers. So you take the number of receivers that start in your league. So give me how many teams in a league, Jordan, 12 or 16 or 14, pick a number.
0: Let's go 14.
1: All right. 14. How many starting receiver slots?
0: Uh, three.
1: All right. So 14 times 40 is 14 times three. You got 42, right? So how many flexes? Mm, we'll go three. Three flexes. Okay. So that's another 42. So typically over the last five years, it's around 60%, depending on if there's point per carry or how big the tight end premium, let's just call it PPR with 1.5. That makes it the easiest because the number doesn't change, but you can run this, you can run this and kind of figure out what is the flex value? What's the approximate value of what fits in a flex over the last three, five, 10 years? And it's not that hard to calculate those numbers, but let's just call it 60%. So 60% of 42, which would be your flexes, right? So you're talking about around 25, 26 receivers in the flex on a weekly basis. And then you add that to 42. So essentially you kind of get this rough threshold of like wide receivers, 75 to 80. And obviously you want to be on the higher end of that. So you don't want to necessarily be, you know, you probably want to start six receivers every week in that league, but you don't want to be starting six guys outside the top 50. You know what I mean? You're not mm-hmm. going to be able to keep up with the Joneses if you do that. However, if you look at, I want to start six receivers every week and I kind of want to be on the higher end of that threshold. I don't want to be at the back end. So maybe you cut it off at like the top two thirds. You know what I mean? So maybe you want to be, essentially you want all six of your starting receivers to be top like 50. Top, top 50, top 60, but you also want to have the ability because that's the power position. You want to have the ability to almost pick between nine or ten of those guys on your roster. In
0: that top 60. So you want to have a good – Every week. I I see what you're saying there. You want to have a good stable of guys. You want to have a couple of studs, but then you also want to have a good group of that middle round – middle that core area and pick from those guys. Uh, Yeah, I have a lot of teams like that too. We were talking actually before we came on. I find that so many of my teams are just riddled with these wide receivers that are – I mean, I just don't know how I have so many of them. Debo Samuel, Curtis Samuel, you know, Mike Williams is dirt cheap right now. And I'm just like, the guy's got stupid upside, you know, Tyler Boyd, I mean, left for dead. And I just have like, like you said, you have these teams and I'm looking at these teams where these guys are on my bench. You know, I have AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, you know, you know, Tyreek Hill starting for me. And I've just, like, like I said, I found myself kind of gravitating towards that. You know, maybe I haven't looked at the numbers, but you're right. Like when I look at my teams, I try to kind of pack in, those you know as you said as many upside you know receivers as I can because we you know most weeks that's what I want to start too. Marquise Brown I mean those guys in a six like you said you know you're starting you can start six receivers and you have six top 45 receivers that's a good feeling you know
1: yep well and I mean you can do the math so obviously if you're in a league where it's start two receivers and only two flexes your threshold's a lot lower so you're gonna value Some of the higher end guys. So in a you know, in a startup draft, you're probably gonna have to attack a little bit earlier on wide receivers. Otherwise, you're gonna be where you don't wanna be. And where you don't wanna be is stuck with a roster where you can start only four or five receivers and you have 16 of them on your team, but you're trying to pick which one at the bottom is gonna go off in a given week. So I, I'm not an early receiver investor. I'm a wide receiver pivoter where if I have like a DK Metcalf or an AJ Brown, I'm actually fine pivoting down as long as I end up with my ideal roster construction where I have nine or 10 of these guys and you can go through the list and say, okay, this guy's overvalued. This guy's undervalued. You know, this guy I can probably flip for the, the classic move in one of these deeper leagues is like, okay, I flip uh, CD Lamb for... Uh, Kenny Galladay in a first now in a start three or four receiver, you're going, I don't want to do that when I can start seven. And then with that first I can draft, you know, Rashad Bateman or Jalen Waddle, like in that format, I'd almost rather have the two, you know what I mean? And just bank that the guy I draft fits in that threshold because you know, there's a a chain,
0: a big Kenny Galladay week and a big CD lamb week are not very different, but that next guy that you were able to play that your opponent is not able to play that is a big difference.
1: Yeah. And then the other thing is people will look at dynasty values of these guys and they go, okay, well, Terrace Marshall is a top 50 receiver. So you would say he's within the threshold. He may not produce like that next year, but you can supplement that with a Cole Beasley. You know what I mean? Now you don't want to waste. You don't want to platoon every top 50 non-producing receiver with a you know, outside the top 80 producer, you know what I mean? But you can get away with one or two spots like that. But the way things are now, like if receivers don't produce in year one, they lose value anyway. So it's like most top 50 dynasty receivers are producing at that level right away anyway. Like there's, there isn't like this cultivation period, like we used to see where it's like, I'll wait till year three for Terrace Mm -hmm. Marshall to have a top 48 season. It's like, if he's not doing that by the second half of his rookie year, you're getting a little worried. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so just a couple of names that come to mind. If you're in one of these leagues with a deeper wide receiver threshold, this is a guy that has been left for dead and he's starting to get kind of maybe brought back to life a little bit. Uh, Travis Fulgham is a guy that I've picked up everywhere. And the reason is uh, if anyone's listened to, I've listened to a couple Eagles podcasts recently and um, you can just tell by the way they talk, it's Jalen Rager Devontae Smith and Travis Fulgham. That's three starters. Their plan is to go really heavy, 11 personnel, three wide receiver sets. Now it's contingent on Zach Ertz getting traded. But I'm kind of looking at this offense going, okay, Travis Fulgham has been left for dead. But if if they're talking about him and they're talking about him like he's a starter, there is no competition for snaps. The show I listened to last week basically said the only guy fighting for a starting spot is Rager because Greg Ward they see as a, Kind of a, a pesky slot receiver that they want to have on the field. So I'm looking at Folgum, going like, dude, he's outside the top 90, top 100. And you know, Jalen Hurts passed what 145 times in four starts last year. Like, I don't expect 600 pass attempts, but you know, most of the projections I look for the Eagles are 525 to 550. And if Folgum's out there, 70 plus percent of the snaps. I mean, this is a dude you're getting for free, and. That that that's definitely one that I've been picking up. So that's one. Um, a couple others you mentioned: uh, Henry Ruggs, you mentioned Jalen Rager. Uh, I do think there are some sneaky veterans that you can get for dirt cheap that could actually produce on a similar range. Like uh, Kendrick Bourne is another one could fit into this threshold. Might not, but could. Uh, can get him as a throw-in. I think when you start going down this road, though. The issue is if I come to you and I say, Jordan, I want to trade for Kendrick Bourne, what goes through your mind? Holy shit. Someone wants Kendrick Bourne, right? Like what can I get? Someone actually wants him. This might might be my only opportunity to ever trade him. Yeah. And so you're not just going to hand him to me for like fab dollars or like a future fourth. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I want him. Mm -hmm. So how do I acquire him? So I think the easiest way to acquire receivers like that is you got to pivot off, you know, you got to pivot off of, a quote unquote higher valued receiver. Um, And then the ones that don't fit in that threshold, I actually opt to trade for backup running backs. So if I'm in a shallower league and I have a Travis Fulgham or a guy that's gotten some buzz recently is Jacoby Myers. Like if I'm going to start four or five receiver league max, I'll trade Jacoby Myers for like uh, insert backup running back. You know what I mean? Marlon Mack. There's, 50 of them at this point because all the depth charts are unsettled. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm interested in guys like uh, Devontae Booker, Wayne Gallman, like just guys that are probably going to make teams, not starters. They don't have any name cachet. Like you're not going to be able to trade Jacoby Myers for like Tony Pollard or Daryl Anderson or anything like that. But I just look at it from a roster construction standpoint. If the max I can start is three or four, you know, I'm sitting on leagues where I have a bunch of shares of like Tyler Johnson, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. so I like having him, but, but it's league it's league dependent. If it's a shallower league, nine There's or no 10 reason. or 11 starters, I, I'm, I want as many running backs as I can going into the league. Hopefully I have higher quality receivers where it's not a big hit.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's another thing. Receivers are always, they always seem to be the first guys. Like you said that at least on my teams that I feel like are cut worthy because I kind of do have a lot of them and, and, yeah, some of these guys are, you know, I'd still rather have a backup running back. The, the pathway to snaps and relevance, you know, even a backup running back can win you a week once or twice a season. You know, some of these receivers, it's just kind of about having a body in there, you know, having that sixth, seventh guy. So, When
1: well, you hit on a great name, uh, Marquise Brown, uh, a guy like Marquise Brown, another one, Christian Kirk, like I'm collecting those types. They're not bad players. Maybe no. they're misused, maybe they're miscast, but it's like, you know, there's kind of this, uh, you know, you can probably trade the Diami Browns, Nico Collins, Amari Rogers for the Christian Kirk's. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I don't mind doing that. I actually think Christian Kirk's a, another target. That's he's a good player. It's just people just don't really know what to do with them. So I'm willing to buy on that. And I probably wouldn't have bought the last couple of years because of where his value was, but now he's kind of just been left for dead
0: yeah i had him on a team he got a lot of targets and he only had uh he only had uh touchdowns in one game I think he had three touchdowns in one game and that was like the only week that season i didn't start him it was a disaster so i'm one of my huge flaws is if, if a guy burns me like i take that you can't go back no like <laughs> i just i'm It's been that way since DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson. The first year where it was a big zero running back year was at 2016. I took – it was the end of the first. It was when I was early in my fantasy career, and I was just in one league. And so I completely bombed my season by taking DeAndre Hopkins and Allen Robinson, both coming off like 1,400-yard, 12-touchdown seasons, and they came back in. Allen Robinson –
1: that, was the, Brock, yeah, that was the Osweiler year. Yeah, that
0: was the year. Yeah. So and Robinson
1: was, tore his ACL, right?
0: Yep. So I started out my draft. I, I, I mean, I just got decimated that year. Yeah. And to top it all off, I'll just this is one of my this is a funny story. It was zero running back. So the first running back I took was Melvin Gordon in like the fourth or fifth, right? So and he hit that year big. Except the problem was. That was the Romo year. So a guy drafted Dez that year in the second. I took Melvin like the fourth or fifth. When Romo got hurt, my buddy just dropped Dez. So I had to choose between dropping Melvin Gordon or Jeremy Hill to pick up Dez Bryant because zero running back was all the fad. And I was like, oh, my God, I can go get Dez Bryant, you know, and I'll have Hopkins and Allen Robinson and Dez Bryant, and I'll be unstoppable. And so I dropped Melvin Gordon, and I kept Jeremy Hill, and it was a disaster. So... I've been jaded by zero running back, as most people have. I'm in love with Melvin Gordon because of what could have been, and he's actually helped me win championships since then. And I've never drafted DeAndre Hopkins ever again, or Allen Robinson.
1: You hold a grudge. You got You got to be. You got to be flexible, and I, that's why I play in so many leagues. I've, I'm almost so detached from
0: the people, plans. the players,
1: the players. So I'm like, I'm sitting here looking at like an ADP list, and I'm like. I'm out there. I'm buying Darius Slayton. I'm buying Christian Kirk. You know, I'm I'm taking shots on those guys just because they're depressed and they're depressed for exactly what you said. It's like they didn't they didn't live up to what people thought. So the thought of valuing those guys similar to, and I like this guy, but I mean, some of the hype on like Darnell Mooney at this point. Oh my God, he's a he's a top fifty receiver, and I'm like, okay how just range of outcomes between Darius Slayton and Darnell Mooney going forward. I certainly would take Mooney over Slayton, but like, would it be out of the range of outcomes where like one injury on the giants and then all of a sudden it's like Slayton has a decent year and like, like they could reverse, you know what I mean? Slayton's year last
0: year and the year before is basically the same minus a couple of touchdowns. He still had 700 yards. It was like almost the same. The thing was, it just wasn't the touchdowns. So he didn't, he years didn't
1: years. do 20 to 30% more than what he did as a rookie. So he He's falls 50%. Right. But exactly. he,
0: but he stayed baseline. And I like that when I see that, I'm like, okay, like if you can get me 700, that's useful. And if you can get more, you know, if Kadarius Tony's hamstring gets pulled or groin, or, you know, these things happen or Oh, poor sterling shepherd and his uh concussions and migraines man There's a there's a there's a story for you they've been burying that one for a while um, yep. but yeah my like i said my toxic trading is i just i'm personally attached to the game i i do not roster any joe mixon never have i do not roster Odell a- odo o- beckham never have I, it saved me a lot of headaches i've never rostered george kittle in dynasty it saved me a lot of headaches and, and maybe that's not the right way to play, but there's almost no point in drafts that where I'll take some some guys. And it's helped me in other spots, too. Doug Baldwin, I remember people love Doug Baldwin, and they were making all the excuses and reasons why he's going to be so good, blah, blah. and I'm like, he's dust. Like, you can see it on the field. He's dust. He's – their manif- Everything's everything with him is contrived. He's dust. And then he, like, basically never played again. And I was just like, you just kind of have to – I don't know. Like, you can't – I I and it, it, it emotionally bothered me that people were so high on him and they couldn't see that he was dust. So I got the, I went the other way. So I don't know. I, I think there's some value in being a little bit invested in players. Um you're able to cut through some bullshit, you know, maybe. I don't know. Well, so. I
1: respect that for one reason. I think what's lacking in fantasy football, especially dynasty now, is conviction.
0: A fucking then, um, dude. Everybody I, agrees with everybody on everything, and it's just well like, and
1: There's so much information these days that, you know, I hear people say, I mean, I listen to a ton of content, a ton of podcasts out there. And I'm like, the worst advice is like, I'm just going to wait and see what happens. If you've waited and you see what happens, then 95% of people are already doing the same thing. You've
0: missed it. You've missed it. So
1: you've missed your window. Now I'd rather get my ass kicked and be completely wrong, but when I'm right,
0: fuck Yes.
1: I predicted six months out and now I'm laughing because you're paying twice as much to get the same conclusion. So, yeah, there's just so much
0: there's conviction.
1: Pick a lane, pick a bet, pick a side and go with it
0: and go with it. This big thing, Shaq Barrett, the last two years at this point, like last year, my big thing was people like, oh, I need to see Shaq Barrett do it again. And I'm like, he just fucking did it. okay." and now if he doesn't do exactly that, he can still be good. And think about this. If you have to see it again, that means you've seen it twice. You missed it twice. I'm like, at some point, when are you going on? And this is my thing, and I'm not taking shots, but I'm going to say there's a lot of people that fucking love Derrick Henry now at 27 years old that didn't love him at the end of 2018 when he was busting out of them drawers, all right? So we've missed two years because y'all's conviction level was medium, medium rare. Now, there's a few people that rode for him, and they rode for them and they won their people championships. You know, like you said, you have to be able to take the wins and the losses, you know. So I you do notice the people that hop on the trains late. And it's just like, at this point, you're not helping me. You haven't helped me. You actually hurt me because the last two years you told me not to do that. But it's cool, whatever. So I do have conviction. I, I don't have a problem being wrong. But you also get to actually be right too when you actually, you know, plant your flag. So, and like you said, there's a lot of people that don't want to, don't really want to do that, you know. So, whatever. Well, it's
1: like any, any gamblers out there, you know, the best time to make really convicted bets is really early on when the line gets set initially. Don't yep. wait for, you know, you hear like, I'm going to wait for the line to fall. I'm going to wait for all the action to come in. I'm going to wait for things to course correct so I can get, you know, the best, the best possible number. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you wait till the very last minute, that, that, that line's already dialed in. You're, yep. you're not getting,
0: you're not getting you may, an edge.
1: You may win, but like you're, you're making a uh, almost a 50, 50 bet. It's just a, a, probably like a gut feeling. You're like, okay, I'm going to go with this bet. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. you didn't gain anything from it. And so it, exactly. I, I listened, I listened to a book on tape called thinking and bets like two weeks ago. And I never listened to it. I'd seen it out there by Annie Duke, the former poker player. And she talks about just going through life, thinking about everything as a bet. And, you know, she's a poker player. It's different. I'm a blackjack player. But, like, the same thing with blackjack. is like your your only advantage is not to just play heads up against the house. You know what I mean? Like, if you do that over the long term, that – it's a waste of time. You know what I mean? Cause you're going to yeah. win. It's like 47, 49.7% of the time you're going to win against the house. And it's like, I could put a million dollars up and waste a year of time. <laughs> and it's a 0.6% difference between the house and I, if everything just goes square. So it's like, get out when you feel you need to get out, but man, get double, triple, quadruple down when the odds are you think could be in your favor, yeah, exactly. and make the bet. Yep,
0: And that's kind of circling full circle back around to Trey Sermon, like getting him at the end of the second, you know what I mean? Like in my conviction. And like I said, people that I have a ton of respect for were just out here just dumping on the guy. And I'm like, I'm in, like, I am so in it's unreal. And if he fucking fails, I wasted a second. And if he hits, and if he hits, he's going to be like a, he's going to be a top 12 running back if he hits, like if he actually hits. So let me ask you this in this time next year in startups, when he is the guy I mean, what's he going to go as, you know what I mean? Like who's going to go higher him or Najee, you know what I mean? With, with big Ben gone and the line, maybe still trash like this, like the world's going to be different. Like you said, place your bets now because next year he's going to, maybe he'll be higher, you know? So I'm That's, that's where my, I do have, that's where my level of convictions at.
1: So let's say you have five shares of Trey Sherman, right? And he does hit to that, like three X value next year where it's like, he's, Antonio Gibson level next year, right?
0: This is where we're different because I'm a hodler i'm a hodler so um, do
1: do you cash out on one or two just to hedge again or are you all in for another season nope
0: i'm all in i'm just dunking on people and i'm saying i got him dirt (laughs) cheap fuck you you can't have him and that's that's how i that's how i roll i just i'm rubbing it people's faces too i'm taking to the bank you know because i mean like you said in theory yeah i could get a little bit more but i'm also a big guy one of my big theories is i'm a points over picks guy and i know i don't you know i don't really have anything necessarily to back that up but it's like to me, picks are currency. They don't score you points. They're a medium to get me to somebody that scores me points. So at the end of the day, I'm always cashing out with actual points. So if I can get, I don't know, anybody T. Higgins this year for a second, for a first next year, who's to say I can't get all of T. Higgins' points for 2021 and still in April of next year have that first back on my team? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these things happen. So I'm a very picks over points guy because picks can always circle back around. Picks don't actually score you anything. They look good. Yeah, they can turn into something. Yeah, but they're unrealized gains. Points are points, you know. So I'm a very picks over points oriented kind of player. Um, I I say that I still have quite a few firsts sitting around. I had, But I, I do also see the value in keeping first and converting them at the right time. I love holding on to my first until like week seven, eight. And then like when I really need to like, you know, make that move. That's that's a good time to have it because there's some guys kind of looking towards that pick season. You know, it's a dynasty. Half your fucking league's not playing to win; they're just trying to collect future first. Yep. You know what I mean? So take advantage of those guys. You look at that guy; he's got three first. You know what he wants? Another fucking first. And if you got one, he'll come. You know, he'll he'll look for it. So he's not playing to win this year. He's got somebody on your team that can help you win. And what's a first worth? You know what's a what's a win in season worth? You know, I've often wondered that. If if I told you. I could guarantee you a win week nine. What would you give for it to know that that win got you to the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like you would give every, every one of your next upcoming picks, you know what I mean? For that one win. So what if that one win is, so what if it's a player like a, I don't know, just a get by player, you know, just to fill in the gap, a gap stop, you know, like a Jeff Wilson. If you knew that Jeff Wilson in your roster for a first would get you to the playoffs, you'd go get Jeff Wilson to get that W. So the value of a, of a a single W can be worth you know the picks too, so it's 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 interesting you know people can get desperate, so I like I like moving my picks, I like playing for points or playing with playing for players over picks. So,
1: well, you hit on something really, really kind of uh important to having a process is like a pick is a pick, a third round pick is a third round pick, but the the value of the currency actually changes based on the timing of the pick. You know, one of the things I do in the off season, right now, I'll go through my teams and this is the best time to do it because especially in IDP and especially in, you know, deeper leagues where we're talking about just collecting any running back that could make a team could be worth holding on your back of your roster. Right. But a lot of those situations are ambiguous right now. So I'm looking at a lot of rosters going like, okay, I have 12 linebackers, 10 safeties, 15 running backs. Those are positions where I'm kind of not sure what the usage is going to look like. So, there's a lot of 50 50, 60 40 bets with a lot of those players. So I'll go through and I'll kind of post a lot of those on my trade bait and say, okay, any of these guys, I'll trade for thirds, fourths, fifths, knowing that I may lose a couple of those. I may win a couple. You know, someone may trade me uh, a third for a backup running back and he's not the backup and he ends up getting cut. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I'm like, okay, I, I got a free pick for a guy who was probably going to release exactly. for the season. But the idea is I want to be the guy for just what you said. I want to be the guy that, A, I'll go through and sell. Basically, anybody that's not worth a first, I'm okay selling at this point for seconds, thirds, fourths, especially in IDP leagues. Like, give me fourths because people will take those during the year. Like, you know, there is going to be a point during the season where I'm like, shit, man, I, I need a linebacker. Like, dude, this guy's a backup for two weeks, but he's going to start for two weeks. I'll give you a fourth. And those are the guys that actually people look to sell. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. an injury away linebacker that's only going to start for three weeks.
0: And you're um, not really giving up much. to No, but immediately away. in your
1: league, people are like, oh, this guy's on the block. And I'm like, okay, well, everyone knows that guy's probably a backup. But I'll pay you for the next two weeks where I can put him in my lineup. I'll give you a third. I'll mm-hmm. give you a fourth. And I can, you know, I kind of, it's equivalent of like being on a vacation where you don't have a budget. And, like, I can splurge for, like, a week or two. You know what I mean? Go out, party, spend. I want to do that during the season where I know what the hell I'm buying. I'm Mm -hmm. buying, like, literally a starter for this week. You may win or you may lose, but that it's so much better to do that now. I see people making trades, like, you know, they go out and give a second for, um, you know, McCole Hardman or something like that. And I'm like, I don't disagree with the value. I just don't agree with the process of doing it in June. (laughs) because <laughs> what if shit goes bad for him yeah there, there's 10 other McCole hardman's that are worth that one pick why are you doing it now that you're giving away the scarce asset for the common asset i yeah. and it becomes more scarce as we get closer to the season so just something to think about
0: yep yep it's all about timing there uh shout out to ek he's one of the guys over at dynasty nerds he has a really uh, good infographic that i look at it's basically a wheel it just tells you it's it's basically the cycle of the dynasty season it shows you yep. you know when your trades are going to be most valuable when they're or your you know your picks are most valuable kind of gives you an idea of when when to look to trade them so you know that that's the game we play you know and again we're, we're over an hour now so we're going to shut it down here in a minute but before we came on you know we were talking you know dynasty is interesting because for you know most of the year we're outside of it like this. We're looking inside, you know, we're looking down at the arena, but then the 17 weeks that really matter, you know, it's hand to hand combat, you know, I mean, it's weekend week out, you know, you're, you're trying to scrape out a W and things change and, you know, being a, a aware of situations and being aware of how values shift and how the cycle of, you know, the season goes and evaluating your team and, you know, always looking to, be ready for that that hand to hand combat. You know things go wrong all the time. You know especially IDP last year we lost Nick Bosa, we lost Daniel Hunter. You know in offense, you know you guys lost uh, not you guys, I mean we all lost, but we lost Andrew Luck two years ago. You know things change. Deshaun Watson's gone. You know I have a little pyramid actually right here. I need to turn this into an infographic, but I'm guys, I'm not. I'm not all the way there yet, but I mean, like, this is something I look at. I made this in December 2018, and I look at this all the time, and it's a, it's like an infographic, but one of the things on it is the most important thing to remember in fantasy football is things change. Nothing stays the same. Look at look at Devontae Adams. We're still forcing him as a dynasty wide receiver one in a world where Aaron Rodgers might not play there again. You know what I mean? And just like six months ago, that was unheard of, you know? I mean, no, Rodgers, I mean, he... You could argue
1: he's not even a top 12 receiver. It goes that fast.
0: He's hurt all the time, too. I was thinking the other day, at this point, you almost have to give Stefan Diggs the number one spot because, you know... Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams have had injury issues you know and there's other guys on their teams that can kind of take targets away from time to time or other skill players you know Diggs is the guy but that's the thing for another another day but things change in Dynasty so you have to like you said you kind of always have to be fluid you have to you know have a diverse portfolio you don't want to get completely sunk because you're 100% on a one player too much but um, yeah it's been awesome having you on here to talk man Um, I really appreciate your time and All the stuff that you do, you know, like I said, you're one of the most, when I think of a dynasty practitioner, you're always the guy that comes to mind because you're in every type of league, you play offense, IDP. You pay attention to, you know, I call them the, you know, there's everybody wants to do the quantitative analysis. Everybody wants to code in R, you know, but there's also the qualitative stuff in Dynasty 2, you know, the, you know, reading about, like you said, fulgum you know, I mean, like there's shit happening out there that isn't in a spreadsheet. You know, there is isn't a, a, you know, a heat chart for, you know, so there's, it's a big game. There's a lot of different ways to do it. There's a lot of processes. And you're a guy that does have convictions, too. You know, you put your polls up. You're very, you know, in the streets, you know, talking to people. I see that. And I kind of have that that same process, too. You know, I'm talking to my league mates, I'm talking to the consumers, you know, and I'm you know, trying to help people win. You know, like we said earlier, too, you know, if you're not playing to win, you know, 11 guys in your league, 13 guys in your league are going to be fucking losers. You know, that's, we don't want you to be that guy. We don't want to be that guy. So, you know, we're trying to help you guys win, helping each other win. So. I appreciate your time. Go ahead, tell us, though you know, IDP Army, where they can find you so they can go get some more of this good stuff.
1: Well, first off, Jordan, appreciate you having me on. Uh, good time, good discussion. Um, I'm probably going to sign up for the IDP Army uh, just to kind of chill with you guys and um, get some of that information. But I do have my own Patreon, uh, Dynasty and Chill. We're about 100 deep, the Chillbillies. Uh, if you have, I would, anyone that's listened to Dynasty and Chill, a lot of it's focused on process and procedure. Uh, And I think there's one thing that doesn't get talked about. We hear the film and analytics debate going back and forth. Um, I'm about 90% a numbers guy, but I do think there's a third component that we don't talk about. Uh, And it's very prevalent in IDP too. It's anyone with an economics background, the invisible hand that basically guides people's decisions in the economy. That's what dynasty is about. I mean, it is not that hard to find people out there giving you information, right? Like you give people information, There's not a lack of information in this game. It's what lacks is being able to forecast and be convicted on the bets that you're making. I mean, that that's how you separate yourself. I mean, I've found most of the people I'm playing with now are a lot better than they were three or four years ago. Like there's, there's not a lot of fish in leagues anymore,
0: especially when you start
1: playing with each other. Like, I mean, I may have better aspects than you in certain leagues or vice versa, but like most people in leagues, even just random sleeper leagues aren't, they're not stupid. I mean, that wasn't the case like three or four years ago. There's a couple <laughs> of people that had no idea what they're doing. Like they're, they're, literally drafting, you know, maybe off of Twitter or whatever, like they don't know what they're doing. It's not the case now. So if you like that, patreon.com slash dynasty and chill uh, and dynasty and chill podcast and that Charles chill FFP. And occasionally I write for DLF, but other than that, um, yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Yes, sir. Yep. IDP army. You heard the man go sign up, show love, show support to a real one. He's in the streets, practicing what he preaches out there fighting the good fight he's in the arena with us and with that idp army we are going to get out of here i'll be back sometime later this week the offensive points pod will be recorded tomorrow night so keep an eye out for that as well go sign up for patreon go sign up for monkey knife fight and until next time we are out
1: let the rain hit the sand, build a house on a rock, gotta plan, gotta get stocks, keep them bands, hear the clock tick blades on a fan, Whoa. used to be mundane on a Monday, now you have fun day on a Sunday, Whoa. cause you're switching it up and you're living it up.